With Shift Work, a podcast made in collaboration with RWCF and HRN, we're shifting the conversation about how the restaurant food you love makes its way to the table. Listen to and follow Shift Work on your favorite podcast app. Okay, well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show about all things edible, spreadable, and pourable. And horrible with your hosts, me, Fabio, and me, Fabia. <laughs> we just had a very interesting pre show. Would you call it a debacle or a kerfuffle about Fabio? I would call it um, just like lack of information. Sure. When nobody knew whether or not Fabio, your favorite supermodel, and mine, was alive or deceased. Turns out it's neither. <laughs> no, he's he's alive and loving it. He's a dr- Fabio, alive and loving it, the sequel to Dracula Dead and Loving It. He's only 62. He's young. He looks great. He doesn't even look like he's had any work done, at least in the Wikipedia photo. Interesting. Um, is the Wikipedia photo just like a drugstore novel cover? No, it's a real picture, but it's probably from the 90s. So I don't know what he looks like present day. I'm a little bit nervous that he's gotten some work done, and I don't think he should. Well, I think he had to have worked on after a seagull smashed into his face on a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. Did that happen for real? (laughs) Yes. It happened for real. A bird died on this man's beautiful face. But he must have, like, broken a lot of bones because the velocity of the roller coaster and the bird and... That's what I'm saying. Like, he went onto that roller coaster, a beautiful Fabio, and he left permanently disfigured for the rest of his life. Now he looks like Gilbert Gottfried. (laughs) No. <laughs> now he has a bird's face. <laughs> they had to transplant the bird's face onto his face and vice versa. The sequel to Face Off, Bird Face On. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could still be called Face Off because they put faces on and face off too. So you okay, don't need fine. to call it Face On. <laughs> <laughs> bird Face On. <laughs> bird Face Off? Uh, bird, hello. Yeah, bird face off is what we called. Okay, great. I'm glad we got we to like the face of that. off to colon bird face off. <laughs> <laughs> Fabio, if you're listening, which we know you are, please call into the show and explain to us how it feels to be living with a large beak. <laughs> okay, so check this out. This is crazy. So, 62 year old sure. Fabio. I just checked out his personal life to see if he's married, and he says in 2021 he retired. And he's hoping to marry and have children. Wow. At the age of 61. And he also sleeps in a hyperbaric chamber. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. That's probably because of his new face. He's well, trying he to get it to reverses tape. aging. So I guess I have to get one of those. How much do they cost, do you think? I don't know. Uh, how many? I, I have no idea. Probably in the upwards of three, four million dollars. You think they're millions of dollars? A hyperbolic chamber? Isn't that like what Walt Disney is buried in? Hyperbaric chamber. Oh, hyperbaric. Hyperbole. That's much cheaper. It's <laughs> much cheaper. A chamber filled with hyperbole would be very expensive. <laughs> right, of course. Okay, so this one at the Rehab Mart is $38,000. Okay, that's reasonable. So that's I think you doable. should give up on like trying to think about maybe buying a home or having any savings and just get yourself... A Fabio coffin. Yeah, I'm not going to buy a home. I'm not going to fall for that scam. So I can just get myself one of these babies. 
Exactly. How to get a bird, how to lose a guy in 10 days and get a bird to fly into your face and sleep in a coffin full of amniotic fluid. That's the Fabio not, story. You don't know anything about a hyperbaric chamber. <laughs> well, why don't you enlighten me, Nicole, since you're a fucking goddamn genius over here, fucking Bill Nye with all the Fabio info. What's the story? It's- What's a hyperbolic chamber? <laughs> <laughs> you're the best chamber in the whole world. I think that it just gives extra oxygen. I'm pretty sure that Michael Jackson also slept in one of these bad Larrys. Mm, Interesting. Um, But yeah, it's basically, I believe that you have to get in one when you're having trouble breathing because it's like a medical (sighs) device initially, right? Like Bubble Boy, the movie, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's Oscar nominated (laughs) film, Bubble Boy. (laughs) Was that what he was in? A yeah, chamber? no, he was in like an actual um, bubble, kind of like they have in um, the Outbreak movie to like, oh, keep him yes. from getting pathogens. Of course, that movie, I've, I've mentioned many times on this podcast how much Ebola shook me as a nine-year-old. I was convinced really for decades that I had Ebola until COVID happened. <laughs> it really just took an actual crisis to make me realize I didn't have Ebola. Now let's get back for a moment to Jake Gyllenhaal, my arch nemesis. Yeah. Why was he allowed to just like move past Bubble Boy as though it never happened? Well, he was a child actor. So technically his parents are to blame. It was like expunged from his record as though it was like a DUI at age 16. Like nobody ever talks about it anymore. I would like to rewatch Bubble Boy actually. I mean, do you ever think about the movies that Sarah Jessica Parker was in when she was a child actor? No. Most of the (laughs) movies, if you make it to adulthood as a child actor, you get to, like, just pass on with the passage of time. That's fair. Okay. Fair enough. Still, Bubble Boy, he wasn't exactly a child. He was probably, like, 18. But that's fine. I think that the Bubble Boy is based on a real boy. I know, but I don't think it's, like, funny, the real story. I think it's, like, very tragic and sad to have to live in a bubble. But the movie's not funny. It's it like isn't? a serious made-for-TV movie. It, I don't think we're thinking of the same movie. I think Bubble Boy is a comedy. It's supposed to be silly. He's like faffing around in that bubble, rolling from here to there. I don't think it's supposed <laughs> to be serious. He like rolls uh, down well, a hill. I think I've only seen the made-for-TV serious version of the boy in a bubble. Right. You're thinking of the Paul Simon song. Yeah. The only living boy in a bubble. <laughs> <laughs> no, the boy and the bobble and the b- baby briar to the radio, you know, in the beginning of Graceland. Anyway, let's move on away from this. Jake Gyllenhaal has ruined another, yet another episode of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Did you watch the Super Bowl halftime show? I didn't. I was working. I also did not watch it. So I have nothing to offer except for I feel confused about why 50 Cent was upside down. or how He was, he was upside, upside down? down? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, everyone just kept talking about how he was upside down, but I don't know in what capacity he was upside down. If he Seems was like a like mistake. <laughs> on wires, if he was walking on his hands, or... How interesting. I don't know. Do you also know that Eminem performed at this? I do, and of course I have an opinion like that. I wish that Eminem would stop terrorizing us with a surprise performances of Lose Yourself that are... Uh, inappropriately placed. However, I feel comforted by the fact that at least we knew he would be at this event so we could choose to skip it or tune in or what have you. Um, I did not know that he was going to be there, but Mary J. Blige was there and that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, that's cool. But also, like, where was Janet Jackson? Is she even allowed to go back on the Super Bowl or what? No. We need to, like, forgive her and let her move on with her life. Yes, forgive her for, like, her breast. Like, okay, first of all, at the Super Bowl, let's go back here to one of the most, like, ridiculous besmirching of, like, women in pop culture. Um, To the fact that, like, the women at the Super Bowl who are dancing, like, the backup dancers, the fucking cheerleaders people in the stands, like, are wearing basically nothing. The only difference is that a tiny piece of the breast, of which everyone else's whole breast is exposed, like, her nipple showed, because Justin Timberlake, the world's biggest piece of shit, ripped off her shirt, and we don't like her. And he's fine. He's a bubble boy. He's a bubble boy. Hello? Hello? You also (laughs) faded out again. Um, He, try not to have too much strong emotion, because it makes your computer freeze, I think. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah he you know issued like an apology or whatever for that but whatever he does suck but um also Miley Cyrus's tit just fell out like during the Christmas special and it was fine everything was fine I mean it is a different time now I guess but um now you can have a full-on male penis on Hulu I know okay let's talk about this full male penis on Hulu. Nicole, do you want to reveal what we're talking about? Oh, we're talking about Pam and Tommy, the TV show that was not approved of by Pam or Tommy. (laughs) Oh, it wasn't. I didn't know that. Well, it's very, I thought it was very fun to watch. And there is major male frontal nudity. Tommy Lee's penis played by the brilliant Jason Manzoukas actually like looks up and talks to him it's very funny to see a penis on television i enjoyed it how about you oh i think it's great that we're finally showing male penises on tv um i was just surprised by it it was shocking although you know what i just started watching euphoria and there was a bunch of penises in that too and i was like this is a golden age of dicks on television look at all, all right, the different thank ones thank god because it used to be like you couldn't even you just, it wasn't a thing. You just, like, never saw a dick. I know. And here we are thinking that they're all long and straight and perfect. And as it turns out, not so much. Yeah, no. Um, but <clears throat> the show itself to me is fine. I'm not getting that into it. I know you really like it, but it's just sort of trucking along for me. They still, I mean, it still has, it's like also airing episode by episode. So I think that if it had come out all at once, I would have just watched all of it. Right. Like it's, it's definitely a bingeable thing, but I thought it was kind of fun. I don't know. It took me back to that time in the nineties when I was in my early forties. <laughs> just I do like that Seth Rogen is hot now. It's how did that happen? Who's hot? Seth Rogen. He is hot. It is very annoying. Why does he deserve to be hot? He doesn't. And that's the problem that I'm having here. <laughs> but I right. do like that they make him wear like nineties outfits, like those really long jean shorts that were a thing in the 90s. And he's just like randomly wearing that to work. And I was like, oh yeah, well, this is a nice nod to the 90s because no other show is doing that. Like no one's doing like throwback 90s costumes or like settings or- Yes, um, it's very unique. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, and it's like, I'm like, when are we going to see more 90s stuff? You know, because I want want to feel like I'm represented. You want to crack open a Snapple and kick back and relax and, <laughs> and go back to your youth. I hear yeah. you. Yeah, I just like it's such a great era to mine over and over and over again in any possible way. 
Because apparently people my age are like the money spending viewing audience nowadays, I guess, which makes sense. So like technically I'm supposed to be like married with a disposable income of some sort and, you know, like a second mortgage or something. Totally. Enough money to buy yourself a hyperbolic chamber. Uh, yes. Filled with hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best chamber I ever met. I love you, chamber. Um, so anyway, uh, did you do anything sexy for Valentine's Day? Uh, nope. I spent it alone in my apartment, and that's what I wanted to do. But I will say that Jennifer and Benifer had some Valentine's Day plans that we uh. simply must discuss. Yes. What did they do? Okay, well, I don't know what they did because this is just her saying maybe they're going to do this stuff, but there's a couple of hilarious things. This is from People Magazine. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, so J-Lo has a newsletter, apparently, um, and, you know, we need to sign up for it. But um, she said that in her newsletter that Ben Affleck, for an early Valentine's Day present, recorded a video to her music video for the movie Marry Me. So she has a music video out, or a music video out for that movie. And apparently it seems like what Ben Affleck did is like do what people do at weddings where they have like a slideshow of the bride and groom's like baby pictures or whatever. It seems like that's what he did because it said it included <laughs> pictures of them like throughout their relationship, even the first time around. And then interspersed with her actual music video. So it sounds really terrible. <laughs> what? And they were probably all like paparazzi photos. I know. <clears throat> wow. Um, There's a hope. He, hopefully he included the photo of himself shoving the cardboard cut out of his ex-girlfriend, Anna Darmus, into the trash. I hope so. Well, uh, I will remind you that was a servant that was doing that, not himself. I know. I know. But I like to imagine it was him. It's so much funnier. Um. And then she said that they're going to go to the, to the Super Bowl. How romantic. Um, yes, very romantic. It I saw is. them there. I saw a clip of them there. And they were fucking dancing together. And he fucking, like, put his hand out. Like, he was some, like, I don't even know, dude. You have to watch it. I felt sickened yeah. watching it. It was yuck. That sounds great. And romantic. Um, it was very she, sexy. She also said that, okay, she wasn't going to share the music video with her fans because it's something that she would only share with her inner circle. Okay. And okay. then later she was in an interview and she said that she was going to maybe go to the Super Bowl with Ben and, and you know, their inner circle. And then Ryan Seacrest is like, who is in your inner circle? And she was like, just the two of us. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a small circle. Why would you refer to you and your boyfriend as the inner circle? <laughs> maybe she's talking about their buttholes. Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was really funny because I'm like, J-Lo doesn't know what inner circle means. Clearly. Wow, interesting. How fascinating. Yes, that is not, that's not the correct way of using that. It seems like she probably could use some time in a hyperbolic chamber. And then also she's like, okay, I'm going to share this video with my inner circle, which means she's just going to reshare it with Ben who gave it to her. Yeah, that's a very interesting <laughs> feedback loop. Sounds and like he's a like, code of I've going on. seen this. I put all of these pictures <laughs> in this slideshow. <laughs> <laughs> this is me. I made this on my iPhone with Filmmaker Pro. <laughs> Do you think he calls her J-Lo or J-Lo? I think he calls her Benifer. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Did you just snort? No, I did not. That was you. I don't think so. Anyway, um, 
Anyway. Also, nothing sexy for Valentine's Day. Uh, since you asked, I had to work all weekend. So when it came around to old Valentine's Day, I really like, I treated, my, I have to say, I treated myself. I went into Brooklyn Wine Exchange and they, they suggested a very lovely bottle of wine for me, which I bought. Then I got a foot massage. Then, bitch, I fucking cooked myself a steak and had shrimp cocktail and a wedge salad. That sounds beautiful. I just Dude, like don't it was acknowledge. Great. I don't like observe Valentine's Day. I don't. I don't want it to be a holiday that exists in my life. You know, like I just think it's a. Steal- I like it. You like Valentine's Day? Yeah, I like it. Well, I like it because I always remember having such a fun time at Brucey on Valentine's Day because we sure. obviously always made like a huge party and had a crazy fun theme and it was such a big day for us like instead of just doing like whatever the regular old schmegular old we really made it fun and I think it's kind of cute yeah for me I'm just like it's really annoying it's like you you can't even like go out to eat anywhere even at like pizza hut because you have to have a pre you have to like sign up for tickets or whatever and have like a 35 course meal for 300 dollars and it's also just like not fun to go out when those kinds of people are going on even working valentine's day which is a great money maker day for um people in the service industry but the people who come out are like we call them like what do we call it we just like they're the amateur hour like people who go out yes. to dinner once per year <laughs> right and um they eat their know. oysters with a knife and fork they sure do and so i'm just like i just wish that I mean, I do understand the month of February is cruel if you don't live in a wonderful climate like California or Florida. Um, and people had to come up with a reason to not commit suicide before spring mm. came. But Or a reason to commit suicide. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you made it through the holidays <laughs> as a single person, there's one more slap in the face. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I thought last night. I was like, huh, interesting. This holiday season, because of COVID, I've spent every single holiday and occasion alone. And I think I've done a really good job of like trying to make it nice for myself. <clears throat> And last night I was like eating shrimp cocktail and having steak and I felt very lucky and it was very lovely. But I was also like, huh, isn't this just so bittersweet? Like, so, you know what I mean? Like, like how I think this will be the last time I want to do this, this particular way. <laughs> and I don't mean just like not being in a relationship. No, That's yeah. Fine. Even I mean if like I'm- literally being alone and not having my friends or family around. Even if I'm in a relationship, I still don't observe valentine's day it's just not for me i like will only i do not have any kind of like classical expectation like it's valentine's day we need to do something romantic i just like any occasion to do something fun or cute or whatever like or like make a fun meal i don't know so to me i'm i'm in it for that but i i'm not like it's Valentine's Day. Like, where are my roses, Zara? That's what I asked myself <laughs> since I'm <laughs> dating myself. <clears throat> I didn't have time to get them yet. I've been busy. That's how I talk to myself in my other voice. It's very high. That's good. That's good. It's like like Louis Anderson. Kind of, yeah. Um, a little sharp, a little snappy. Exactly. <laughs> um, my other car is a broom. So anyway, uh, should we get into our topico for today part two of cake i know that you guys are probably all been waiting since part one with bated breath yeah you're like who cares when the next pam and tommy episode comes out when <laughs> when will part two of cake come out <laughs> i don't give a shit about ben affleck fucking 
dancing at the Super Bowl, getting doing learning how to Dougie. <laughs> <laughs> Did he learn how? It doesn't look like it. No. Oh, <clears throat> shame. Hi, I'm Kiki Luya, the executive director of Restaurant Workers Community Foundation, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Shift Work. In the last six months, some 6,500 restaurants have closed their doors, and there's never been a time when restaurants and their 12 million workers have been more vulnerable. It's time to transform hospitality. With Shift Work, a podcast made in collaboration with RWCF and HRN, we're shifting the conversation about how the restaurant food you love makes its way to the table. What does it really take to make that experience happen? And who are the countless workers responsible? We're talking porters, cleaning crew, prep cooks, servers, baristas, hosts, bartenders, barbacks, managers, sommeliers, and chefs. I'll also introduce you to organizations that are leading industry transformation. We'll discuss mental health, fair pay, racial justice, and how hospitality can change for the better. We need it. Listen to and follow Shift Work on your favorite podcast app. Um, so anyway, folks, without any further ado, we're going to bring you part two of cake, or some might even say part duh of cake. Now, Nicole, what do you feel like you want to learn about cake today? Today, I want to learn the difference between chiffon, sponge, devil's food, velvet, financier. <clears throat> okay, well, I'm not going to be able to do that for you, but let's address <laughs> something that happened a couple of months ago with a coworker of mine who is an idiot, just kidding, who I love very much, <laughs> but asked me one day at work what my favorite cake topping was. Now, mm -hmm. please bear in mind this person is British. And he was like, what's your favorite cake topping? And I was like, I don't, I fucking two grooms. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what do you mean? Why? What's a cake topping? And then he was like, like, do you like, like buttercream or do you like fruit? And I'm like, I don't think this is like the right question. Like I can understand you saying, what's your favorite kind of cake or what's your or, favorite type of frosting? Yes. Both of those I questions are better a cake topping. So I'm like, I could pick cream cheese frosting or fresh fruit. I'm like this question. I don't know why, but it just made me so angry. It was so stupid. And, and still, also fresh fruit on a cake is not for me, everyone. So if you're sending me a cake in the mail, keep that in mind. Yeah. No fresh fucking don't no glazed kiwis for this bitch. But like, <laughs> here's the thing. Like, I hate that question. And that's really all I have to say about it. And he's like, so sticking to it. You know, a cake topping to me is sprinkles. That's a cake oh, yeah. topping. Love Crunchies. a sprinkle. And even that, why would you add the whole thing is wrong? Please weigh in listener, Jake Gyllenhaal. What kind of cake topping did you have when you were inside that bubble? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So look, folks, I hate to disappoint you, Nicole, but today, instead of all the things you wanted to know about cake, we're going to talk about That's Right, a cake that I and probably you will never taste in our lives, wedding cake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've eaten plenty of wedding cake. Uh, that's Always fair. a bridesmaid, had, never a bride. I've had very little that's wedding cake. That's my motto. Because, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Aside from never probably being married myself. I also have not been invited to very many weddings. And the only weddings I ever really have been invited to were like when I owned Brucey and I was like not able to attend. And then those people 
didn't understand and we're not friends anymore. So weddings, wedding cake and me, we don't mix. Well, okay. I've seen you at a wedding before. I've been to like, I'm not kidding. I've been to like four weddings and a funeral. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been to like 400 weddings, but all the people that could possibly get married in my life are done getting married. Well, most of them anyway. Second weddings, maybe. Hopefully, yes. Second weddings would be nice. Although I don't know if it's a second wedding, if they like invite you to travel a long distance, if they're just like, you know what, you came to the first one, you don't really have to travel to my wedding, right. I'm 60 years old. Well, I can't imagine being invited to any more weddings, maybe one or two, but I would like to suggest people out there, um, as we round this type of time in your lives, uh, middle-aged, uh, 40-year-old listeners, Consider a divorce party because you really need it more at the divorce than you do at the wedding. You're already happy when you're getting married. Why do you need a big party? Have the party when you're getting divorced to give yourself something to live for. Something to live for. Exactly. So anyway, just keep that in mind. Um, I got most of this information today from Reader's Digest. That's right. Your grandparents' favorite magazine in an article (laughs) written by (laughs) Melissa Laberte. So let's go back to when wedding cake originated. You guessed it. Ancient Rome. Um, marriage ceremonies used to end where a scone-like wheat or barley cake was broken over the bride's head for luck Ow. and fertility. <laughs> Scones, like, scone? weigh a ton. <laughs> also, they're small. Can you imagine just, like, smushing a scone, like, a little hard scone on someone's head? No, That's rude. It's, I think they're saying it's scone-like in terms of texture, but the size of it was big enough to cause, you know, brain damage when they smashed <laughs> it on her head. And that's how all the brides in ancient Rome passed away. Um, so anyway, yes, if you were an ancient Roman, um, you could drink fresh, clean water from aqueducts and little spouts on the street, but you also had to get, um, a scone broken over your head at your wedding. So give and take lots of pasta on Ciano, though. The new husband and wife would eat a few crumbs together as one of the first united acts of a married couple. That's like very picking sweet. it out of her hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out of like her bloody nose, they would eat right. bloody crumbs. Um, once the new the newlyweds had their share, wedding guests would scoop up the leftover crumbs for good luck. People in ancient Rome get a life. <laughs> I also like <laughs> scooping up crumbs off of the ground. Here's what you should do. Have one that you smash on the bride's head and then have one that you just leave for the guests to just eat. Exactly. You're absolutely right. When you're, look, when you're right, you're right. And you're right. should be a wedding planner in ancient Rome. Oh my God, you should make a fucking follow-up film to JLo's The Wedding Planner, but that takes place in ancient Roman times. Were women allowed to have jobs back then? Uh, no, but the whole thing would have, you would have to dress as a man. Like in, oh, like, just masquerade as a man, a Roman man, and then fall yes. in love. And then they'd be like, oh my God, gender reveal wedding. <laughs> <laughs> With lots of a carbonara. Okay, so anyway uh groomsmen i just want to take a little bit of a left turn here and just talk about groomsmen because they uh have notoriously (laughs) always been groomsmen (laughs) how do they work (laughs) well not very well and historically they've been creepy for centuries and centuries um much of the history of groomsmen revolves around marriages by capture when the bride was literally captured and abducted from her family. This practice started in biblical times and unfortunately still continues today in many parts of the world. That is totally fucked up. Um, yes, but it makes sense if you think about groomsmen in general, the stereotype. They seem like they would capture you. 
Uh, so they were just like there to make sure she doesn't run away during the well, wedding. They were the bride's kidnappers because oh. like a <laughs> lot of times it was like forced marriages. So they'd be like, go get this bitch. And they'd be like, righto, right after I finished giving you a toast and telling everybody about the time when you <laughs> had sex with my sister. Um, it's believed that the best man role originated in the 16th century Germanic Goths as the groomsmen who kidnapped the bride. Um, the best man then stood next to the bride during the ceremony to prevent other suitors or family members from taking her and to make sure she didn't run away. Well, that's flattering, though. If you are, like, so hot that, like, other suitors are going to run up and kidnap you during your own wedding, that's flattering, I would say. Exactly. I I bet the woman felt really, like, like, approved of. Of course, she probably felt validated and safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also just like, I'm glad this person stole me away from my other life that I didn't even realize I didn't want anymore. My stupid family. What have they ever done for me? Right. Nothing. My real boyfriend. They possibly could come kidnap me during my wedding. If they wanted to, there's only one guy protecting me. <laughs> but he has drank 16 Bud Lights before this. Okay. <laughs> the bridesmaids all dressed alike like the bride to confuse evil, evil spirits. Oh, you were allowed to dress like the bride back then. Exactly. They were supposed to dress like the bride and like each other. And bridesmaids would take a piece of cake home and put it under their pillow. And some bridesmaids would sleep with a piece of cake that they left, that was left in their stocking and the rest under the pillow after passing the pieces of cake through the bride's wedding ring. I don't understand. They would fucking slip pieces of tiny pieces of cake through the bride's wedding ring. Then they would put the cake in their stocking. They'd put some more of the cake under their pillow, all in hopes so they one day too could be fucking captured. And they wonder why they have mice. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yada, 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 the bubonic plague. Right. They were just asking for rats to move in and eat all that fucking cake. Exactly. Um, Romans brought bread-baking wedding tradition with them when they conquered Britain in 43 BC. And... Uh, I'm sorry, 40, wait, 43 CE? What's that? I don't know. This is 43 CE. That has to be a typo. Well, I have no idea, but let's move on. I just want, (laughs) what? AJ, great, thank you, man, our religious expert. Who, no one can hear him talk, so you just sound like he spoke to no one. (laughs) I'm I'm speaking of God. Speaking of God. (laughs) This information is coming straight from heaven. Okay. The this Brits- just in, CE means AD. <laughs> this just in from the wires of the Associated Press in heaven, CE and AD are the same thing. Let's move on from here. The Brits took over the tradition one step further and they would throw the bread at the bride to throw to show her fertility. They're like, so, you are fertile. Let me throw some muffins at your face. They basically just attacked her with hard scone cake. so then in medieval times the restaurant they started stacking spice buns scones more fucking scones these people cookies and all this shit into like what eventually became tiered cakes but before they were tiered cakes they were giant like masses of scones and cookies it was like seafood towers made out of cookies and scones exactly which to me sounds great because i love scones i'm a scone guy give me you know what this gives me a great idea if you're listening out there, you're interested in marrying me, I will say yes under the one condition. A, you steal me in the middle of the night. B, there's like cranberry scones. As the okay. wedding cake or just being thrown at you? 
No, it was the wedding cake, which people then throw at me. I would definitely throw a fucking cranberry scone at you if that was the cake I was supposed to eat at your wedding. <laughs> what about like a rhubarb scone? Don't you like scones? You're not a scone guy? I'm not really a scone guy. Scone, I like a savory man. scone. But scone, savory scones I like, but then I'm like, well, isn't this just a biscuit? Question mark? That's fair. Um, okay. So legend has has it that if the bride and groom smooched successfully without letting the whole thing topple over onto them, they would have good fortune. So I guess these things were extremely precarious. The only way they could have good fortune is if the pile of scones didn't fall on their faces. These people love to throw food on the ground. (laughs) Yeah, they're very wasteful. Very wasteful. So then we're moving into like the 17th century and a French chef thought that a pile of pastries was tacky looking and and recommended making like a stack, um, a nice stack with pieces of broom handle, like holding everything together, like in tiers. That sounds less tacky for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's just like broken pieces of broom handle stuck into cookies and scones. Great idea, Scofia, you fucking dolt. Um, so the first known official wedding confection comes from 1685 and a recipe for bride's pyre, a pastry crust filled with an assortment of, you guessed it, oysters, lamb testicles, throat, rooster comb, and pine kernels. Throat. Rooster comb? Like the, the hat that a rooster wears? That's right. A rooster's hat or a beard. It's one of the two funny things hanging out. I didn't know that those were edible. Well... I mean, I didn't really realize that throat was edible either, to be honest. Huh. I know neck is edible, but throat? What's the difference? Well, neck is the muscle. The throat is just, ugh, I don't know. Seems I mean, if it's in there, we can probably try to savage. eat it. Savage. Yeah, that's fine. These people, these fucking Brits, I don't know. Or actually, I don't even know who these people were they're making it. It sounds French, whole right? Whole animal, you know? They really, they really started the whole animal movement. It's more than whole animal, Nicole. It's a ridiculous assortment of things. Oysters and pine kernels and rooster comb and throat and testicles. It's like, I get it. eat all those things except for pine cones. But why do they have to be in the same pie for a wedding? I'm just saying, if you were sitting here and they're like, it was lamb's throat, lamb's testicles, lamb's brain, lamb meat, lamb fur, all that fucking shit from a lamb. I just feel like it's like rude to combine rooster comb and pine kernels together for your wedding cake. But who am I? Also calling it lamb's fur is very funny. (laughs) Lamb's fuzz. Lamb hair. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Single ladies certainly had to, had some incentive to eat their share of this disgusting fucking pie. Um, they hit a ring somewhere in the pie and whoever found it would be the next in line to get married, which reminds me of a story of when my father accidentally dropped a dime into a cake that he was baking at the love and oven when my parents had that business and someone came in furious and he was like, oh my God, you won the prize. It's 10 more cakes. That's a lot of cakes. I know. I was like, that's overkill. What about like a free, one free cake, 10 cakes? And what's this person supposed to do with 10 cakes? But literally what? It will take them a whole year to eat them all. I know it seemed insane, but like anyway. one cake a month for life. <laughs> exactly. That would be more reasonable. Um, okay. So in the 17th century, wedding cake started replacing this heinous pie and most homes <laughs> didn't have an oven. So bakers would bake two pie crusts on the hearth and then put currants between them like a sandwich and sprinkle sugar on top of it. Sure. Sounds and You fine. got a cake going. Um, Couples would sometimes, like, wait until they got back home to dig into their cake in private, which I think sounds great. 
Um, the bride takes a bite. She tosses the rest of it over her head like a bouquet so that her new husband would get everything that he wanted out of life. And the groom... So they're still throw- just... Even when they're doing it in the house by themselves, they're still just they're throwing, still throwing it on every- the floor. Exactly, throwing it everywhere. <laughs> and then the groom takes the plate, he throws it over his head, and if it breaks, they're destined for a happy marriage, which begs the question, what kind of fucking groom throws a plate and it doesn't break like what you have to really try not to break a plate well, what if it's metal well then i'm not really sure that this groom i don't know i feel like he he wasn't being set up for success by being given a metal <laughs> plate <laughs> unless it was in his head you know what it i mean it was sabotaged by different kidnappers by big what by big kidnapping yeah um okay so then sugar enters the picture and it becomes cheaper and then like icing kind of starts to happen and blah 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 blah. white icing uh, symbolizes the bride's virginity and it also is a symbol of wealth um great things that are awesome uh, so awesome being a, a wealthy virgin we can all aspire yeah yeah so then tiered cakes make a big splash in the 18th century um, a London baker fell in love with his boss's daughter and he wanted to create a fancy-ass cake to impress her when he proposed. Um, so he made it look like the spire at St. Bride's Church. So okay, so what is he going to do on the actual wedding day if this is the proposal cake? Well, that's what I'm saying. He's really, I mean, he's going to bake his own fucking wedding cake. This sounds like a groomzilla. Yeah, yeah, very control freak. Very controlling, sir. Um, at the wedding, they have a 10 tiered cake, completely cake, no cardboard, no wood, just cake. And as they are cutting it, the cake collapses. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I forgot that this is a new section of my story. (laughs) We are done with the history. Now we are moving on to, uh, cake disasters. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So this didn't happen historically. This happened at someone's actual wedding. We're done with the history of cake. Take it or leave it. Now we are into disasters of cakes that I found on Reddit. This person says, at the wedding, they had a 10-tier wedding cake. Completely cake, no cardboard, no wood, just cake. And as the couple is cutting it, the cake collapses under its own weight. They called 911. (laughs) (laughs) What? Why? Because it fell on the bride. And it killed her? I know. I'm like, how much could this fucking cake weigh that you need to call 911? It's also like not scones being thrown at your face. Exactly. Okay. Next disaster. Friends had a small 30 guest wedding with a reception in a private area of a restaurant. After the meal, our server came through the doors with the three tiered wedding cake in her arms. When she got front and center, she slipped and hit the floor like a rock face first into the cake. The initial laughter stopped quickly when it seemed like she might be hurt because she wasn't moving. Oh, my God. (laughs) She got up with help, obviously sore, but crying as hard as I've ever seen anyone and hysterically apologizing over and over. And then we fired her. This poor person. And it reminds me of my my parents were caterers. Um, They, my dad made a wedding cake one time and they had a server who came who was like apparently really drunk when they got there and they fucking stepped in the cake right before the wedding and destroyed it. Wow. My dad had to go to the grocery store and buy like made cake, like already made cakes and try to put them together to make it look like a wedding cake. Crazy. I know, dude. This poor person though. Imagine slipping and falling face first in someone's wedding cake. I bet that's good luck somehow. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) 
Um, okay. This person says, we had our $800 cake in the refrigerator outside on the bottom shelf. We put the pasta salad we made for our wedding on the top shelf. All, full, all four bowls disintegrated. And what? pasta salad got all over the cake. What are you we talking about? The pasta off and just use the cake for looks. What bowl would disintegrate? <laughs> That's exactly what kind of fucking do you put bleach in your pasta salad? Like, what did you, what was in this fucking pasta salad that would make a, a bowl disintegrate? It must have been like those paper cardboard bowls, but like you shouldn't put those. Why would you keep your wedding pasta salad in a cardboard bowl? I don't know. People are mental. I know. This is just proving that there are some really freaky deaky people out there. Okay. At our wedding, my great aunt Dolly loved our cake so much she ate three pieces, which is unlike her. Whereupon she decided to get up dance. Also unlike her. The next Uh-oh. thing you know, she needed to be hospitalized. Oh, I thought she was going to poop her pants. <laughs> well, that might have happened too. Um, okay, now here are some famous celebrity wedding cakes. This is one of the most shocking wedding cake flavors I've ever heard of. Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. Apparently, according to this magazine, usweekly.com, Lively and Reynolds had quite the extravagant dessert table at their wedding, including s'mores bars, blueberry cheesecake tartlets, and lemon tartlets with meringue topping. But the piece de resistance was their towering, get ready for this, vanilla and sour cream wedding cake with peach apricot preserves and Earl Grey milk chocolate buttercream. What the hell? Did you, I don't. <laughs> I'll Wait. read it again. The piece de resistance <laughs> was their towering vanilla and sour cream wedding cake with peach apricot preserves. We're kind of okay up until then. And Earl Grey milk chocolate buttercream. This is not a good combination, folks. No. I'm sorry. All of these things on their own sound reasonable. Together, it's too much. And that's too just much. that. Um, Chelsea Clinton, the former first daughter's wedding, a health-conscious cake was on the menu made of oh my kale God, yes. and cabbage. No, I'm kidding. The couple got a five-tier gluten-free dessert from a local bakery. Snooze. Gluten-free? God damn it. I know. Go to hell. Uh, the world's largest wedding cake weighed an at uh, 6.8 tons, which is 15,032 pounds, and was made by... <laughs> 15,000 pounds. 15,000 pounds. And How was many made... people were at the wedding? I'm not sure. I don't think it was... Act- it was for a bridal showcase. Okay, It was great. made by chefs at Mohegan Sun... Resort and Casino in Connecticut, USA, and displayed at the New England Bridal Showcase on the 8th of February, 2004, the year of our Lord. And that's it. That's all I have about wedding cake. But I think it's a lot. Quite a lot. 15,000 pounds. Can you fucking imagine if, like, you're just, like, working at some place and your dumbass chef is like, hey, so, guys, this week we're going to make a 15,000 pound <laughs> cake. I need everyone... <laughs> you're on you're on frosting like i am i have a non-cake related wedding disaster that happened at my restaurant before i worked there but i still think it's very also terrifying um so one of the servers was bringing 
um, a tray full of champagne that the, they had bought for the wedding, you know, like the first toast or whatever. Um, and he also had like broken his ankle recently or something. Um, and so he's carrying this tray full of glasses of champagne outside. He trips, he falls, he smashes every single one of the glasses and they didn't have any more of that champagne. So they just had to serve oh my God. sparkling wine, uh-huh. which is fine. Um, but also how embarrassing. Very embarrassing. I mean, this is not wedding related or wedding cake related, but it reminds me of, and I know I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, at Brucey one night, I don't know, the year was probably like 2015. And I decided that I wanted to like, I was going to show these servers what it's, how to do it. You know what I mean? I was like, not really, but like I was waiting tables and helping out. And I was like trying to, I was trying to like be cool and like walk around and fucking strut my stuff. And so I'm walking between the big table and the bar at Brucey. And I like, I have a plate of spaghetti meatballs. So I'm like, I'm going to put this above my head while I walk by instead of carefully carrying it. And yep. uh, it sli- the whole thing slipped off. Blazing hot spaghetti meatballs slipped off the plate and fell onto somebody's head. And I was so embarrassed. I never hot. I'm pretty good at confrontation and just dealing with things in general, especially at Brucey with my restaurant. But I fucking hid in the kitchen. I refused to come out. Yeah, that's the only one thing that you can do, really. A whole plate of spaghetti and meatballs <laughs> slipped onto somebody's head. And I, like, ran in the kitchen, and I was like, Jenny, Jenny. <laughs> I just dropped a whole plate of spaghetti and meatballs on someone's head, and we laughed so hard. And if you're listening right now, person, I'm sorry, but also you weren't very cool about it when it <laughs> <happened>. <laughs> Well... I don't know how cool I would be if a whole plate of spaghetti and meatballs <laughs> boiling hot landed on me. And I have to like go home and change and I probably live in Bay Ridge or something. Um, oh my God. So funny. But I one time was at like, <clears throat> I don't even know what restaurant we were at. This is the 90s. Um, a, a waitress, a server walked by me and spilled an entire pitcher of Coca-Cola in my lap. <laughs> and they gave us free Coca-Colas as... The, as the, oh my god they're like oh the drinks are on us everyone and I was like okay but I'm covered in coca-cola I was very tight too so it just like went right through everything oh <clears throat> that's terrible one time um Jenny Megan Scalero Cara and myself went to dinner at Carbone when like Carbone kind of had first opened and we had like it was like a staff dinner we were like taking ourselves out and um we had this very expensive meal, obviously, because it's at Carbone. And as we're having like dessert um, and Amaro, one of the fucking owners of Carbone and one of like the chef owners start smoking cigarettes next to us. Like we're oh, still eating, it. right? We're still eating. And then it was like Jeff, like one of the owners of Carbone, like his birthday. And so he's taking shots of like Jack Daniels, like ripping shots and like being super loud next to us. And then he fucking throws up and some of it goes on to Megan Scalero. And as an I'm sorry to us, these fucking pieces of shit decide to just send us some lemon cello on the house. Like you <laughs> threw up on your fucking customers on like a thousand dollar meal. I, I just, the audacity of like what men like that think they can do. I'm just, I'm sorry. Like if something even like slightly would go wrong at Brucey or like, whatever we would comp people's whole meal you're gonna vomit on somebody (laughs) send them limoncello are you kidding me 
Yeah, but it's probably house made, you know? That's true. It was very delicious. And it really went well with like the Amaro that we were already fucking drinking. <laughs> Ridiculous. Why didn't he give you shots of Jack Daniels? America's favorite thing to drink, take a shot of. I know. They're like, here, as a gift from the kitchen, here's shot glasses of this fucking asshole's puke. In <laughs> 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 a commemorative carbone shot glass. Um, but that re- spicy rigatoni, I mean, am I right? Chef's kiss. I don't know. It's Too fine. Poor. It's like, <laughs> it's whatever. Um, okay. Well, what a great episode. I guess we can't say top three. We're going to say our top three favorite wedding cakes, <laughs> white chocolate, vanilla carrot, I guess. Um, donuts, cupcakes, white. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, folks, thank you so much for turning to your, bleh, turning in and tuning in and turning out to Fabio's favorite podcast, Life's a Banquet. Um, The podcast with an edge. (laughs) (laughs) You pay for the whole seat, but you only need the edge. Oh, love it. Okay, well, I love you. So fun to talk to you. You're so silly. You are. You are. Okay, guys. Hasta la pasta. Bye-bye. Life's a Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.